Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that all, all morning we've been hearing the rain fall. We love the, the peace that we sense from that, that you're a God that's in charge and even raindrops are under your control, God. We thank you for that. And yet, even though it seems like a morning where it'd be nice to stay in, perhaps stay in bed, there's an hour less of sleep, it's wet, yet, Father, there's somewhere we needed to be. Sundays matter to us, and our souls are hungry for the Word of God. And so, God, we've come to that point now. And I ask, Lord, that you would make us those who can hear the Word and understand the Word and see the truth. Give us hearts, God, to embrace it. Give us the gift you give of faith that we would be believing. Oh, Father, make us committed to your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, please, turn in the Bible to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab that black Bible there in the pew in front of you, and it's page 916. 916 in the pew Bible there in front of you. Matthew chapter 27. We're going to be here at Matthew 27 and 28 for the next, the next three weeks, ending on Easter the goal of a, of a preacher, my responsibility to you all from God, is that I would preach the Word of God to you. There are a lot of other things that I need to be doing. Uh, I do have a job description. Y'all need to hold me accountable to that. Uh, and depending on what your preference is, there's probably a lot of different things that you wish I was doing more or better. But at the very top of that... Perhaps the most important thing is that I would be faithful to preaching God's Word. That's what the Bible teaches us. It is God's desire that we would know Him, and we are to know Him according to His Word, the truth. I, sensing that God has called me to be your pastor, also have that desire that you would be growing in God's Word. It bothers me and concerns me when you're not hearing God's Word. It bothers me or concerns me when you uh, are, are missing church, not here regularly, not committed, and therefore not hearing the preaching of God's Word. The Bible teaches us that this is what we are to be about. In the Great Commission from Jesus, He says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what He's told His disciples to do. In Matthew's account, he says, go to all the nations and make disciples. And then he says, teaching them how to observe everything that I have commanded. That's a big task. That's a lot of teaching, right? It's a lot of teaching in order to get you all to understand everything that God has said. So there's a lot of teaching that needs to be done, but there's also a whole lot of listening and learning that needs to be done. And that's our concern. Paul, writing to Timothy, says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
Preach the word in season and out of season, Timothy. Then Paul writes to the Corinthians, writing to a church, and says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I didn't come that way, but instead, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul came with a very clear, specific purpose to that church to preach to them the message of Jesus. It's the most important thing, and it's the most important thing for you not that you're here, but that you are getting the message of Jesus from the Word. So that's the preacher's goal and responsibility in wanting you all to get it. Why? Why is that the goal? Well, the reason why that is the goal is because true believers, those who are saved and will go to heaven, are those who believe in Jesus as King and Savior and Lord and God according to the Word of God. We must believe in Jesus as God has explained Jesus to us. If you are saying you believe in Jesus, but not according to Jesus of the Bible, then you're not believing in Jesus. You're believing in the Jesus that you imagine. And so it's important for us to do this so that you are believing this. Jesus says, John chapter 8, if you abide in my word, so if you stay in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus seems to say that you may think that you are a follower of him, but if you are not committed to his word or following him because of his word, then you are not really following him. And that's the very issue that he's dealing with those Jews there in John chapter 8. He goes on to say to them, just a few verses later, whoever is of God hears the words of God. And listen to this statement. He says, the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus seems to draw the line of whether you are a believing child of God or not based off how you are responding to his words. So although I would love to talk to you about March Madness this morning, there's something much, 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 more important we must be about this there is a game at one that we can hurry off to and watch to see if Kentucky can win the SEC championship today but that's at one for now we will commit ourselves to the word of God even though we didn't sleep much and we're glad to be here so it is our priority here to hold high the word of God and so we labor yes we work hard and we pray we pray often that God would give us faith to believe him. I want to do everything I can to get you to believe, and I want you to be believing. And so, we preach the word. All that is to say that I'm going to start a new series today on Easter. It's going to have four parts to it. We only have three Sundays until Easter. The third part is going to be our Good Friday service. On Friday night, uh, March the 25th, we will have a Good Friday service here. It will not be a long service. It'll be one hour long right here on Friday evening called a Good Friday service. In that service, I will preach from Matthew 27 where Jesus dies. Part one will be today. It's where Jesus is mocked, the making fun of Jesus, humiliating him, seeking to uh, make him feel low, the mocking of Jesus today. Next Sunday, I'll preach on the crucifying of Jesus, how they killed him. That Good Friday service following next Sunday will be Jesus dying. And then on Easter Sunday right here, March 27th, I will preach that Jesus is living. He's alive. He lives. 
That would be the four-part series. Now, I want you to be committed to that. I want you to be here, and here's why. Many of you are Christians, and you believe in Jesus, and, you're, and you are, are committed to church and to the Word of God, and some of y'all are really new at this, and you're just getting started, and you, you, you have a, a robust desire to love God and live for Him, but you haven't been in the Word of God very long or very much, and so you're not really sure you know the story. And this is why this series is going to be really good. I'm going to spend a lot of time explaining to you the very fundamentals. The most important thing to us is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and that you need to know. And so I think you're going to like or be interested or intrigued just by the, by the subject matter, by the content, the mocking of Jesus, the crucifying of Jesus, the dying of Jesus, and the rising from the grave of Jesus. This may be your first time hearing it, but I'm sure that it will mean something to you, and it may be your you know, 100th time hearing it, but I'm sure that it will mean something to you. The Word of God is powerful. We want to put it out there. Today we look at Jesus being mocked from Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look at verses 27 through 31, just a few verses here, leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. I think that you don't like to see anybody mocked. You especially don't like to see anybody mocked if it hurts their feelings. I never forget being around a group of guys once. We were just, we were just playing some ball. I think it was some touch football one time, and a bunch of guys were just out there having fun. Nobody meant to hurt anybody's feelings. And all of a sudden, one guy started cutting up, acting like he was mentally retarded. Acting, saying, doing things to be that way. Just thinking he was having a good time. Not considering how this might make somebody else feel. One very courageous other guy that was out there with us said, man, would you please stop? And he named off a family member. I don't recall whether it was like a sibling or, a, or whatever. And he just said, would you please stop? I've got a brother who is handicapped, and I don't appreciate it. It was awkward. It was an awkward moment, as you can imagine, but it was a good awkward. It was something I've never forgotten. It was something that the boy that was doing it surely has never forgotten. And to this day, every time I've seen somebody make fun of or mimic or mock a handicapped person, that scene that I was in has come to mind. I don't want to ever do that. I hope that I, that I wouldn't. But I've never forgotten it. Because it's not good for us to mock people or make fun of people. And you know that. If you've ever been made fun of before, had your feelings hurt by somebody, uh, you know that it didn't feel good. And so much more than whether it hurts your feelings or not, we could go on and on about how you need to not worry about it, you need to ignore it and be tougher than that. That's not the message today. But the point is, is that it's out of place. It's not right. We know that. 
in our passage today, in the history of the world, with our Lord Jesus, Jesus was mocked. Read with me, if you will, at Matthew chapter 27, verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him. And they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. One of the things that people love about preachers is when they're funny. You've heard, preachers say, or you've heard people say before about preachers, I could just sit there and listen to him all day. Those are the ones that are very engaging and funny. But I want you to know that there are some passages that we ought not make funny. This is one of those. It's not a laughing matter. I don't really know anything to say now to get you to laugh. I want you to be somewhat taken back at this passage. The mocking of Jesus. And I want us to see it from two ways, two simple points today, that Jesus is mocked by people's actions, and Jesus is mocked by people's words. Jesus is mocked by people's actions, and Jesus is mocked by people's words. Let's start with the actions. Verse 26 in our passage here, the verse before where we started reading says that Pilate released for them Barabbas. You know that setting. I think you've heard of that. It was custom once a year for them to release a prisoner. Pilate brings out two, Barabbas, who is clearly guilty. They know he's guilty. Everybody knows he's guilty, and he brings out Jesus. He says, which one do you want me to let go? They're wanting Jesus. I mean, sorry, they're wanting Barabbas to be let go because they're wanting Jesus to be killed. Pilate doesn't seem to think that's right. He, he, he tries to let them know that this isn't right. They insist, let Barabbas go. Let's kill Jesus. That's a mockery there. It doesn't necessarily sound like a mockery when you read it, but that's a mockery there. You have a man that they all are admitting is guilty of crime. They want to let him go. They have a man who is love in the flesh. But they say, no, we want him crucified. Before they would let him be crucified, Pilate, wanting to just be a boss or a governor or send him on his way, has him scourged first. So we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him in what many have called is the most torturous way to kill somebody. Let's nail them to a cross and not let him die from pain or from blood, but let's put him in a position where he is at his weakest point and he cannot breathe. 
They did this often. There were others that were crucified. Three were crucified that day, two with Jesus. But that's the plan. We're going to torture him in the worst way by killing him on a cross. But before we do that, let's humiliate him. That's what the scourging is. Verse 27. So, since they knew that they were going to get to do this to him... They gathered in everybody. Do you see that? They gathered in the whole battalion before him. And all the research that I could find was very consistent. It says about 600 people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if I brought somebody before you today right down here and just went on and on trying my best to humiliate them and to hurt them in front of you. We really can't imagine it. That's what they did. Their actions are mocking him. We want to do something to him that will ruin him. We want to embarrass him, humiliate him. We want to try to make him feel like the lowest of the low. Let's get as many people as we can to watch. Verse 28, they stripped him. I really can't imagine. I don't think I've ever seen in public a man or a woman be stripped of their clothing. Can you imagine the humiliation? You've seen somebody get a split in their pants before and thought, how embarrassing. Can you imagine being a grown man in the middle of 600 people and them taking your clothes off in front of them? Let me remind you that they're enjoying it. This is what they're wanting to do. They're having a good time with it. They, they think they're doing a good job at it. And as far as mocking and humiliating people goes, I would imagine they are. After they stripped him, they put a scarlet robe on him. Matthew says scarlet. If you read Mark and Luke, they say purple. And some of the others, it says that it was a military coat. Which means it was probably one of those military guys' own coat. They probably didn't go out and find this. There wasn't a whole lot of planning or preparation that went on with it. It wasn't actually royalty. It was something to mock royalty. Like it looks like he's wearing this nice, royal, purple robe like a king would wear. But it's not really one. It just somewhat resembles the color of it. It's actually a military coat, probably tattered, maybe some scars on it. They put it on him to dig into him that he thinks he's a king. Oh, we're going to make you look like a king, all right. They put a robe on him. After they did that, they wanted to put a crown on him, but of course, not a real crown. So they twisted together a crown of thorns. I don't know if you ever play in the woods or walk in the woods, but if you've ever gotten caught in some briars, they can mess you up. We went, we, we went down to the creek yesterday and skipped some rocks, and I thought it was too cold, but the boys went swimming in the creek yesterday. It's awesome how boys don't care about things like that. But some briars caught me on the legs, and I'm, I got a scar. We were throwing everything we could into the creek, every branch, and Eli tried to pick up this, this, this tree branch that he found, but it had thorns on it. Without thinking, he grabbed into it. You've done that before. 
and a thorn got him right there in the hand. That hurts. It'll bleed. These thorns are not the little briars that we have around here that just grow up every spring. These are those big old thorns that come off of a tree a couple inches long. Big type of vine that they're able to, to wrap up like that. And then they, there. They probably shoved it down so it's bleeding on his head. I can't imagine. Our hands are pretty tough and a thorn hurts there. These parts of our skin are very, very tender. You know that would just hurt so bad. They did that to him. They, they, they've got him naked, stripped naked, and then, then they put this fake robe on him, and they put this fake crown on him, and now they're just really laughing. Hey, he's a king. You look like a king, Jesus. And they took a reed, a stick, and they put it in his hand as if to look like a king. In no way at all did they really think that he was a king. In no way at all did they revere him as a king. They did not think he had any rank at all. They were making fun of him. He said that he was a king. They knew that he was a king. They knew he declared to be a king. And they don't want him to be a king. And so now they say, we'll make you look like a king. So there he is, humiliated. It's terrible 600 people watching, stripped in a robe, a crown of thorns. They put a, a reed in his hand, and they kneeled before him. They mocked him. You bow down to kings, and bowing down to somebody is such a huge statement. You may have never seen somebody bow down before. We actually never bow down if you think about it. Even when we sing songs where we say we bow down, we don't even bow down. We never see anybody bow down to anything. I hope when you're at home, you get on your knees. But they bow down to him to make fun of him and to mock him. They, just, to, just so you can see it because we never see it, they, they're, they're in this position to a man that they're making fun of it's not right you know that it's not right they're mocking him i'm going to talk about what they said in a few minutes look over to verse 30 as if it wasn't bad enough y'all it's about to get worse verse 30 they spit on him can you imagine Spitting on him? Doesn't it seem that even if somebody was your worst enemy, you wouldn't spit on them? Doesn't it seem like there are some things that are lower than the low? Doesn't it seem like that if you were in a fist fight and you wanted to knock somebody's lights out, you still wouldn't spit on them, is what I would think. It seems just to be too filthy. People have worth. Humans are people. Spitting on him? They did that to him. In front of other men. 600 people watching. People spit on somebody. People spitting on somebody who is suffering. What's wrong with people? Y'all, this isn't a back alley. This isn't the thugs. These are the leaders. These are the police. These are the military. These are the governor. What's going on? 
They took the reed. Look at this. Then they took the reed and they struck him on the head. A stick? And hit him on the head? Do they want to kill him before they kill him? They want to knock him out and make him unconscious? They want to cause brain damage? Have you ever seen a man swing a stick? Have you ever seen a man swing a stick? Can you imagine getting hit in the head by a man swinging a stick? They did this to Jesus. And then they were finished. That was the scourging. They are finished with him. All right, time's up, guys. We've we got to get going. Enough's enough. Let's, let's, let's go. Get, get back to where you need to be. Get back to your positions. Get back to your jobs, you 600. Y'all need to scatter. Look at verse 31. And when they had mocked him, okay, enough's enough. They stripped him again, took the robe off, put his own clothes back on him, and said, now it's time to what? Crucify him. Just, a, just something that we do to people that we don't like. They mocked him. Mocked by their actions. And I read this, and you read this, and we think, my, 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 how bad. But I want to remind you that you may not have done that to him. Of course, you have not seen him in the flesh. But we too have mocked him. We've acted like he's not that important. Let me show you another example. If you'll turn back a page to chapter 26, verse 14. Jesus had spent the last three years in ministry. He had the 12 disciples with him nearly everywhere he went. They had been learning everything from him. If there's anybody who knew him, it was them. If there's anybody who saw how fantastic he was, faithful he was, humble he was, loving he was. If there's anybody who saw that he was innocent and not a sinner, it was them. They understood it. Look at chapter 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Just an outright betrayal. Jesus had been so good to Judas. Let me remind you that he's about to wash his feet. Let me remind you that he's about to serve him communion. He's about to take the Lord's Supper with Judas. Just an outright betrayal. I don't, I don't care enough about you, Jesus. I'm going to go do my own thing. And before we think Judas is too bad, I want to Remind you how often we too say, I don't care too much about you right now, Jesus. I'm going to go do my own thing. And how much we try to determine in our own hearts and minds what is right and what is acceptable instead of letting Jesus be the authority that he is. 
And people mock Jesus by their actions. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, some of y'all remember this from Bible studies recently. The suffering servant says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. For as horrible as it is to read that passage, I don't want to create in you that you feel sorry for him. I want you to know he knew it was coming. He saw it coming from a distance. He listened. He saw it coming from eternity past. He said, take me there. And as it approached and got nearer and nearer and nearer, Jesus would pray in the garden with great fervor, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours, God. Jesus knew that he must suffer and die if you and I were to ever see life. And so he gladly endured the mocking of people, the abuse. I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it again. On May the 31st, 1911, just about 105 years ago, they launched the Titanic. They had said that the Titanic is unsinkable. The media caught word that this boat had been labeled unsinkable at the port that day as the boat was taking off. One of the employees of the White Star Line that sent off the Titanic was asked, do you think it's really unsinkable? To which he replied, oh yes. This boat is unsinkable. Not even God himself could sink this ship. My stomach turns hearing that quote. and We act like God is not real or big or strong. And that we might possibly build a boat that is bigger or better or stronger than God. People mock Jesus by their actions. Church, may we have a resolve to say that I never want God to be belittled or shamed or misrepresented by the way I act. And if we're honest with ourselves, we need to have some examining going on. We need to reevaluate things. If God says to don't do something and then we proudly do it, we're mocking him. You ever been in a store and the parents say, hey, you stop doing that, and the kid does it? The parent says, hey, you stop doing that, and the kid does it? Well, well, well don't you go over there now. You come right over here. Don't you go that way, and the kid goes that way? The parent has to keep changing their order. Okay, well, don't touch that. Well, don't touch that. And the kid touches it. No, I already told you, we're not having any more Skittles, no more Skittles. I'm not getting you anything. We've got Skittles at home. Don't touch it kid opens it okay here let me pay for it you've seen that many many times 
And while we understand kids are, kids are tough, the parent doesn't feel proud in that moment. The parent feels low. The parent feels embarrassed. If one person's watching, I can't imagine how red their face would be if 600 were watching. I get embarrassed sitting here on the front pew with three little boys beside me, wondering what y'all are thinking. May we never live to shame our God or to mock Him. He's real. He's strong. And if you know Him, you ought to only want to live in a way that says He's worthy. People mock Him by their actions, but also people mock Him by their speech. People mock Him with the way that they talk. Look back at Matthew chapter 27. As they did all of that, so they have the whole battalion watching. He's stripped. They put a scarlet robe on Him. A a crown of thorns is on His head. They put a reed in his hand. Now they are kneeling before him. And while they're on their knees, they are saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Hail, King of the Jews. Well, if they don't think that he's the King of the Jews, or if he's not King of the Jews, then why are they saying that? They're wanting to hurt him. It'd be like if you said that you were the smartest person here, And then you flunk the test. (laughs) Yeah, you're smart, all right. It'd be like you telling us you're the best driver that we've got. You're just such a good driver. You never get in an accident. And on the way home today, you get in an accident, right? That's right, you are. Good driver you are. You've done that before, right? We mock people often now that we start thinking about it. This is what they were doing to him. They didn't believe that he was the king of the Jews. They didn't, belie- they didn't believe, all hail to you. You deserve our worship. But listen, y'all. Mocking Jesus with our words is nothing new. The Bible tells us that God told Noah to build a boat. And while Noah was building the boat, the Bible says that they were mocking Noah. What's Noah doing? Obeying God. Right? These days you get made fun of if you try to guard your heart and keep yourself pure and guard your virginity. You get made fun of for that. What are you trying to do? Trying to do the right thing. People will laugh. We got whole movies called 40-Year-Old Virgin. Like, wow, what a loser this guy must be. I haven't seen the movie, but the idea is it's honorable to be a 40-year-old virgin. We, we mock God with our words in so many ways. Let me show you a few more cases. Look back to verse 13. Verse 11, actually. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. And Pilate says to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? Pilate speaking to him in a way as if, Dude, I know what's going on here. What's your problem? Do you not hear what they're saying about you? 
Pilate has no idea that there's a greater plan happening. Pilate does not remember that Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. Nobody. I lay it down on my own accord, he says. Pilate has no idea that the very steps that Jesus is walking through right now are the only hope for his soul to not go to hell. Pilate doesn't realize that what Jesus is doing is the only way for anybody to escape the judgment. What are you doing? Do you not hear them talking about you, Jesus? He, he speaks to him in such a wrongful way. Move over to verse 24. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, again, Pilate is looking for his own agenda. He's the governor. You maybe could expect that. But rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd symbolic, and said to them, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Now, on a worldly basis, Pilate is saying, I don't think this man should die. I'm innocent of this man's blood. But he is so missing the big point that humanity needs a Redeemer that he's not realizing that if he dies, God dies. The Savior dies. He's not realizing this might be the hope of the world. He's not realizing this is the picture of our redemption. This innocent man dying is the only answer for you or for me or for anybody. He's not thinking about that. All he's thinking about is, well, it's not going to be on me. I'm not killing this guy. I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's going to be on you all. He's mocking him that he might be innocent of this man's blood. Listen to me, church. Nobody is innocent of this man's blood. He was crucified for our sins. If you think your sins didn't kill him, you're like Pilate doing this to God, and it is a mockery. But it's not as bad as the next statement. Look at verse 25. My, my, my body shivers reading this. Verse 25. And all the people answered. All the people answered. His blood be on us and our children. So you start reading the Bible and you realize this isn't, this isn't five steps to have a better day, is it? This is not a pick-me-up inspirational. This is life or death. All the people saying, well, you might be innocent of his blood, but put it on me. I want him dead. Kill him. Shed his blood. Crucify him. Nail him to the tree and put all the blame on me right here. Matter of fact, put it on my children. The arrogance. What are they talking about? Even if you're killing your worst enemy, why would you say put it on my children? They're foolish. This is the height of mockery. Go and murder that guy and kill him, humiliate him, spit on him, nail him, watch him suffer and die from a torturous death, and you know what? Put it on my children. What? People don't understand God. But for as ugly as that statement is, that's what I mean when I choose sin in the face of God. When I live for me instead of living for God. When I exalt myself instead of exalting God. That's what I'm doing. Those very words probably didn't come out of my mouth. But that's what I'm feeling. My life 
matters more to me than his death. We mock God with our speech all the time. I did a little bit of research with some friends about the way people talk about God on social media. I won't tell you their names. These are real people. One person laughed at the thought of believing the Bible, said Scripture is Iron Age myths. Another person said that you are simply believing something made up by men, and those men made up the idea of God. They said this. Another person said, I deny the entire power and existence of God. Real things that people said. And you know many, many more. People mock him with their speech. We mock him with our actions and we mock him with our speech. We know that the Bible tells us to not talk certain ways and yet we still talk certain ways. People will say, OMG, oh my God, as if it doesn't matter. People will say, GD, as if it's okay sometimes. People say, Jesus Christ, as if it's the same as any other name. We'll mock him. We'll tell a lie if it makes us look better. We'll exaggerate if it helps our cause. We'll make excuses all day long. Mock him with our speech. Paul writes to the Galatians. In chapter 6, verse 7, he says, Church, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Wow. I've been preaching all morning about how much we mock Him. And then he writes to the church and says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Why not? They're mocking Him, aren't they? You know what Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 7, after he says, God cannot be mocked? He says, a man reaps what he sows. And my heart breaks. And I get scared for how I live. So sinful and prideful. I don't want to make light of it, but in other words, it means it's coming for you if you don't find mercy. In other words, just like the boys who were playing around and the kid started acting like he was mentally retarded and wasn't thinking anything about it. He had no idea that somebody there had a family member that's mentally retarded. And right there, he put him in his place and said, please stop. All of our lives, even if you live to be a hundred years old, and the mocking of God with our lives, and the mocking of God with our speech, and the way that we mock God, all of that is going to be met face to face with Him. You're going to stand before Him one day, and you're going to think, I was wrong. He's going to turn the light on one day, on all the darkness. What a quote. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You want to act like he's not real? You'll find out that he's real. But while there's a part of us, a bad part, I think, mostly, that 
that wants to kind of get happy about that because we think we're better than other people. We want other people to meet him face to face and be dealt with. Don't be that way. Vengeance is not ours. We're no better off than anybody else. Without that sweet mercy, I could not live here, Micah just saying. For sin would deduce me to utter despair. Were it not for the mercy of God, we would be mocking him even more than we do. Were it not for the power of God working in us through the presence of Jesus, we would mock him even more. If there is a part of you that says, I revere his name, I want to reflect him, I want to honor him with my life, I want to honor him with obedience, I want to walk in his ways, I want to live a life that looks like he's worthy and holy, that he loves me. If your heart desires that, it's because he's been gracious to you and forgiven you of your sins, he's made you his own, and he has stopped the mind and he has forgiven you and here's how he does it in Isaiah chapter 53 speaking of the suffering servant yet again speaking of Jesus who they mocked see they did not think about this passage at the time and that's exactly how sin is right when you're in your right mind here this morning when you're focused, when you're in the light, you don't want to mock him. But you distance yourself from it a little bit. You're hanging around with people you probably should be hanging around with. Next thing you know, you're not thinking about the word. You haven't been hearing the preaching. Next thing you know, you're not realizing how much you're mocking God. I think that's the position they were in. Because Isaiah 53, they knew. Let me read to you Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now listen here, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The mocking of Jesus is a very serious matter. I read to you this passage that's often overlooked. See, we, quick, we, we almost always jump to the crucifixion and jump to the resurrection. We don't spend enough time here on this mocking. It's, it's ugly. I know that it is. But I want to tell you that it was all a part of God's plan for Him to die for us. And if you're here today and you want to be a child of God, if you are convicted of your sins of mocking the Lord Jesus, then I urge you to cry out to Him. For there is no sin that gets us far, away from, far enough away from God that we cannot be reconciled to Him. Jesus is able to save to the uttermost, Hebrews 7.25. His mercy is good. 
If you're here today and you hate the idea of Jesus being mocked and you hate the idea of your life or your words mocking Jesus, I encourage you to cry out to God, repent of your sins, and believe in Jesus. Perhaps this Easter, Easter of 2016, this Easter season will be the best Easter of your life because you'll be a believer in Jesus. You'll be one who says, I want my mouth, I want my life, I want my actions, I want everything to worship him. He does not deserve this, and I know it. Why? Because he's God, and God is to be bowed down to and worship not made fun of not mocked you shouldn't hit anybody in the head with a stick you should never spit on anybody but if you were going to the one person you don't is God himself as if that even needs to be said the mocking of Jesus ought to scare us with how much lack of reverence and faith that there is before we go pointing the finger at everybody else may we realize we have mocked him too. May God have mercy on us that we would be those who love Jesus, knowing that he went through that for us, and that's the only way that we can be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Matthew 27 and 28 and this part one on the mocking of Jesus. Oh God, help us. Help us, God, to have such a high view of him that we don't want him ever to be mocked. Help us to live for you. And God, give us your mercy that we would be forgiven of our sins because we have mocked you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.